It's good to uh, be with you this morning again. Um, and uh, we're just wonderful to celebrate this incredible day as we, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. But I, I want to suggest to you this morning that history is not just some sort of random sequence of events. Instead, history is his story. It's God's story. And behind all the events of world's history, there is an eternal purpose being worked out in Jesus Christ. See, God as God is at work with the plan conceived in all of eternity, worked out throughout history with the cross of Jesus Christ at the very center of it all. You see, Jesus is our focus. Everything that God has ever done has ultimately done for his glory. It's ultimately done. Everything is done for the glory of God. So in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, it says that all things were created by him and for him. And the supreme purpose of every single one of you is to glorify God. So the real drama of redemption can only be properly understood when we realize that the glory of God is the ultimate goal of all of our existence. So everything that God has done, everything that he will ever do displays his glory. It's all about him. And so and, and above all of this, his glory is most vividly, most dramatically displayed in the drama surrounding Jesus' death, but also the empty tomb. Because through the events of that first Easter, we see him breaking down every barrier. He breaks down every dividing wall and makes every believer intimately connected forever with him. So I want you to imagine this morning, I want you to imagine you're standing before probably one of the most horrific stomach churning sights, the horror of the crucifixion. I know this is hard for us to, to really fully comprehend, but Jesus is nailed to a cross. He's been hanging there for several hours. The sky is dark. And as you look around, you see many soldiers. Some of them are mocking, others are jeering. And in the crowd, as you watch, you see Jesus' mother. And she's just broken. She's in absolute pieces. But as you watch, you know that this crucifixion is not that unusual, at least not in that day. It was the punishment of choice for the Romans. But there's something very curious about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, crucifixion would normally take several days, but as the hour, it says, as the, dark, as the hours of darkness and the pain comes to an end, Jesus speaks out his last words. He declares, it is finished. In Matthew 27, 50, it says that when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And what Matthew is radically suggesting is that the Lord gave up his spirit voluntarily, which, which backs up what Jesus actually said in John chapter 10, verse 17. It says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. He, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. So even, or perhaps especially at that moment, King Jesus is in full control of everything that is happening. You see, it's not the soldiers, it's not the guards, it's not the authorities who are in control. Jesus is in charge. He is literally giving up his life for us because this is all part of God's story. This is part of God's plan. But there's something else strange, because as Jesus breathes his last, the expectation would be that there should be silence. Death brings silence. It's all too evident at the moment, is it not? Death brings silence. And yet, as we read in the account in Matthew chapter 27, we know something else is happening and it says in in Matthew 27 verse 51 he says at that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two so as Jesus dies as he breathes his last breath the curtain of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom the earth shook the the rocks split and the tomb broke open the bodies of many holy people were raised to life They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. So although Jesus suffered in silence, his death as death provokes this outbreak of noise, the death of Jesus is so profoundly significant that it triggers the most incredible, the most incredible events that come after afterwards. Firstly, the temple curtain is torn in two. This is no ordinary curtain, by the way. It it, it separates the holy place from the holy of holies. It was so sacred that no one was allowed through it except for a priest just one day a year. The curtain was this physical, it was this visible barrier indicating that access to God was strictly prohibited because of his holiness. But when that curtain was torn in two, God was essentially saying that he is tearing up the old covenant. He's he's tearing up the old religion because the sacrifice of bulls and goats of the old covenant could not provide the answer. Instead, Jesus atoning death on the cross is the perfect sacrifice that establishes a new way of dealing with sinners through the blood of Jesus Christ. Access has been opened into the presence of God. Jesus has torn down the barriers between us and God. Hebrews chapter 19 assures us that we have confidence to enter the holy place. You are invited to come in. The invitation is for you. Second thing that happens is the earthquakes It is as if the very ground was protesting with shock at the death of the king of kings, because this is no ordinary man. He was the one whose hands had made the fabric of this universe, who'd flung stars into space. And yet those hands were pierced and and nailed to a wooden cross. 
He is the one who breathed creative life into the very first man and woman in the Garden of Eden. And he still breathes creative life into every person who's ever lived. And yet it is a divine scandal that the creator of this universe, that the one who is Lord of all, should be should face death at the hands of those who created, who he created. So it shouldn't be a surprise to any of us now that now that his life has ceased, the ground shook in sympathy and in outrage. Third thing that happens is that the, the graves were cracked open and those who were dead walked out. Now, this isn't the rise of the zombies. No, those who were once dead are now properly alive. And, and there are many witnesses to this. But this is more than just a few gravestones. But rather, death itself had been cracked wide open by the death that ends the power of death. Fourth thing that happened is that barriers are broken. In the moment of Jesus' death, even the guards who once were responsible for his death, they say, surely he was the son of God. Later on in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul explains how Jesus' death destroys and removes the greatest barrier of all, the barrier of sin. And because the barrier... Because that barrier has been removed and every other barrier is also removed as well. See, apart from Jesus, every person is helpless, sinful. They are enemies of God. But by removing sin, Christ gave us peace and access to God. And, and that will affect the way in which we live life one with another as well. So the reaction of these centurions and these guards in that moment of Jesus' death is evidence of how the gospel brings hope to all the world. No one is excluded. So as Jesus died, as he breathed his last breath, heaven is opened. Death is abolished. Forgiveness is offered. And the world is invited because there is nothing ordinary about Jesus' death. And it is certainly not an end. In fact, it is a joyful new beginning. And all the events of Good Friday are only a warm-up for what is about to happen. And you see, as Friday turns into Saturday, actually, all is, is quiet. It was the Sabbath. It was a silent Saturday. A day when no one worked and the King of Kings lay cold in the tomb. But although it was silent, it's not insignificant. I suspect Joseph and Mary and the others who witnessed what happened on Easter Sunday went over and over again the events that led up to that moment. And Matthew records for us every detail what happened there. And the details of Saturday were important to those early believers, and they're just as important to us today. So in Matthew 27, verse 61, it tells us about two women, two Marys, in fact, who were sitting opposite the tomb. They know exactly where it was. There is no confusion over the location of the, of the tomb. That's important. Secondly, 
we see in 59 and 60 of Matthew 27 that Jesus is definitely dead. There are no doubts in people's mind. The details of the linen cloth showed that Jesus didn't simply revive at dawn the next day and that he was resurrected from the dead. The facts are important. Because even back then, there were many people who were confused and, and, and hesitant to believe the accounts of the resurrection. And there were certainly been those who have been opposed to Christianity who have suggested that Jesus didn't really die or that the woman had gone to the wrong grave or that Jesus had fainted on the cross, then somehow revived in the empty tomb. Actually, the Jewish authorities are so worried about Jesus' popularity that even after his death, they fear an uprising that could end in bloodshed. And there's this genuine political concern to keep things calm. See, the last thing that they really want is for wild stories about some risen Messiah to be circulating at Passover time in Jerusalem. So they make a decision. And their decision is to seal and to lock and to guard the tomb. It's a very sensible decision. But little did they realize that in making all of these plans, they own, <coughs> excuse me, making all of these plans, they only provide a solid, provide the solid evidence for the resurrection for future generations. Listen, Jesus Christ is alive today. See, the disciples didn't steal his body, as some have suggested. Neither did somebody break in and, and some grave robber steal from the tomb. Neither did Jesus sort of just come back and refresh and sort of walk out of the tomb. This, listen, this tomb was guarded with professional guards. No, Jesus Christ rose again. He is alive. He rose from the dead. And you can be confident this morning of the truth of the resurrection. The evidence is clear. But, but as we move from, from Silent Saturday into Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, the shock of the empty tomb creates an even more bewildered silence. Let me read you from Matthew chapter 16. This is verse 1. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw the stone, which was very large, but already had been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they led his body. Now go and tell the disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. And you will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling 
and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too afraid. See, everybody knows that dead people don't come back to life. They, they just don't. They, they don't. they don't come back to life. But, but what's interesting here is these women, they have got, the, the, there's no appearance that they have even the slightest hope that Jesus will rise again from the dead. They've come to mourn. They've brought spices with them out of respect for his body. And as they walk there, they're even discussing the practicalities of how they're going to cope with the huge stone that seals the tomb. They know they cannot move it. But what they find is the massive shock. He has gone. He's not there. He's, he's gone. And the basic facts of what happened next are clear and they're consistent across all the gospel accounts. Someone has rolled away the stone. The tomb is empty. The angel tells them that Jesus is risen. They are confused. They're terrified. They're upset as they're at the result. They are the ones in stunned silence. So why did the women react like this? Well, it's no surprise. That's not really any shock at all. Their whole world has been turned upside down. They, they, as they walk into that dark tomb, they're expecting it to be a place of disappointment, a place of endings, and they discover something that's very, very different. In those earth-shattering moments, as the angel speaks to them, they see the evidence. They discover that the tomb of Jesus, now empty, was now a place of new beginnings. And as, and as they take it all in, they stand there in shock silence. But their silence doesn't last forever. We read in the other gospel accounts of how they eventually do go to Peter and to the other disciples and they pass on to them the astonishing news of the resurrection. Jesus is alive. You need to take time to allow your head to get round such big news like this. And it's okay to look through and to examine the evidence, but it's also important that when you realize that Jesus is alive, and he is, you must do something about that news. The women saw the empty tomb with their own eyes. They looked at the strips of linen that once covered the body of Jesus and the cloth that was once wrapped around the crucified master's head. And in John chapter 20, it says they saw and believed. They saw and believed. And when and what they saw that day changes their future. Because they now know that the Lord is risen, Jesus is risen indeed. And over the next few days, Jesus appears to many of his followers. King Jesus, who once was dead, is now alive. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything for those early followers of Jesus. And listen, it still changes everything for us today. And you may be listening here and you may be wondering why this is so important. But in Romans chapter 4, 25, it sums it up in a few words. It says, Jesus was handed over to die 
because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Now, we don't talk a lot about sin these days. It's not a politically correct thing to talk about at the moment, I guess. But deep down, we all know that we are selfish, that we are sinful, and also that sin separates. It it, it breaks down relationships. We see it in everyday life. We're all capable of causing much hurt to others. So it shouldn't surprise any of us that sin separates us from a holy, holy, righteous God. See, God will not tolerate sin. He cannot allow it in his presence. In fact, justice demands that sin is is punished. And the amazing message of Easter, the great news, what happened at Easter is that Jesus died to remove everything that separates us from God. In his death, he took your punishment. He became your substitute by taking your sin away. He gives you life. What you deserve was death. In fact, what we really deserved was hell. But Jesus gives life to all who come to him. And by faith in him, you receive his forgiveness, his salvation. You receive his righteousness. Ultimately, faith comes from God. It is the work of God in your life. It comes when his word is heard and then applied to your life. You see, faith comes in when you repent of sin, when you hand your life over to Jesus. And as you respond by faith, the Holy Spirit comes and he works a changing work of grace within your life. Listen, you may not have all the answers this morning. In fact, I'm pretty sure you don't have all the answers because either do I. But your life will be changed. This I'm sure of. Your life will be changed when you simply trust in Jesus as your saviour, your risen saviour. So this Easter time, I I want you to know how much God cares for you. I want you to know how much God loves you. In fact, he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for you. You see, this is personal. It's about you and God. We're told that Mary, one of those women who, one of those women who was at that grave that day, later on she meets Jesus in the garden and Jesus wipes away her tears. It's personal. Peter, a follower of Jesus, gets to meet Jesus personally. And even though in the past he has denied him, three times he denied him, Jesus makes sure he knows that he is not rejected. Two men are walking along a road and they are joined by Jesus as they walk. And afterwards, they describe how their hearts were burning within them as they talked with him. Thomas, who didn't believe the rest of the, of the disciples when, they, when he was told that Jesus is alive, he gets a special word from Jesus' own lips. And each of them 
Jesus takes time to deal with them personally. And this morning, he does the same for you, whoever you are. See, for each of you this Easter, Jesus wants to know you. He wants to know you. Even if you haven't thought much about him, maybe you've even fought against him. He longs to break into your life in a unique way. He wants you to trust him. You need, you need to trust him. Listen, he is your only hope for all of eternity. Listen, one day you will stand before God and have to give an account for your life. If you do not know Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that we will be separated from God for all of eternity. But by faith, by putting our trust in him, we have the hope, the joy of being with him for all of eternity. Jesus is the living saviour. He is the one who is able to strengthen, able to comfort. He is the one that will hold you even in the most dangerous of times. And listen, these are dangerous times. They're a dangerous situation we're in at the moment. Jesus, the risen Jesus, is your hope today. He is the one you're searching for. His resurrection, his saving power and the eternal life that he gives provides confidence. It provides hope for tomorrow. It provides hope for all of eternity. So I want to invite you. In fact, today, Jesus is inviting you to come and to follow him. To make a decision to leave your past, to turn from your sins and to follow him. It means admitting, first of all, that you are a sinner, that you need his forgiveness. It also means believing that Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the answer, by the way. He is the one who died for you. He's the one who rose again from the dead. And then you come to him. Put your trust in him. Come by faith. Admitting that he is the one who can change your life as you turn from your sins, as you turn from your pride, as you follow him, you can know his everlasting joy within your heart today. So I want to pray. If it was okay if you want to just bow where you are in your homes. I'm going to re- just pray out a prayer. I'm going to just pause shortly after each little sentence. And if you want to pray it in your heart, you may even want to pray it out loud as you commit your life to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I know that I have broken your laws and my sin has separated me from you. I am truly sorry. And now I want to turn away from my past sinful life towards you. Please forgive me. And help me to avoid sinning again. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins. Was raised from the dead. Is alive. And here's my prayer. I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward.
Please send your Holy Spirit to help me obey you and to do your will for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, if you've prayed that prayer, you've made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you to do something else, and that is tell someone. If you've got a Christian friend, please tell them. But why not even drop a little message to us? You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on our web website. Why not just drop a little note to say what you've done today? that we can help you, we can join with you on this journey. And we just thank God that God is working even in these times. God is still at work.